Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, we began a new series to kick off the new year called First Things First. I want you to say those three words with me. Say, First Things First. Say it again. First Things First. Trying to get some priorities straight as we kick off this new year. And last week we laid the foundation by focusing in on Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, where Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we are to seek the kingdom of God first, seek his righteousness first. And then everything else that falls under that, when the priorities are right, everything else that falls under that will be added to you. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is about priority. And where you spend your time, that determines what takes priority in your life. What you invest in determines what takes priority in your life. And today, I want to dig a little deeper and I want to explore what it means to to seek his kingdom first. I think it's important for us just to, to get this in us. And, and you, showed, you, you came back. You showed up. You know, I'm impressed. If you, uh, if you were not here last week and you want a good beating, just go listen to the podcast. And um, I delivered one. So there you go. But uh, I think it's important for us. When I was a youth pastor in Tampa, uh, my brother was a youth pastor across the bay in Largo, near Clearwater. And uh, so we were very close, and, and so we would talk every day about youth ministry and, and things. And, and as a youth pastor, a significant part of your job is to brand your youth ministry in a way that attracts students to want to come to the youth ministry. And I, I don't care who you are. You know, I, I've heard people say, you don't need all that in the church and all that kind of stuff. You know, God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. And I, uh, God's already made it to heaven, right? He, he's there. I'm trying to attract man, right? We're trying to attract humans. And so they look at the outward appearance. And so branding is important. And, and especially in youth ministry, branding is important. And so our youth ministry here at DCC is called Axis. And, and students and, and leaders, you may even see some around here today, they proudly wear T-shirts and hoodies and hats with the Axis logo on them, and, and that's branding. That's what that's about. In Tampa, my youth ministry was called The Garage, a place of repair and restoration. And uh, I, I, we had uh, T-shirts. I still have some of the old garage T-shirts, and I, I have a, a, a jacket that has the logo here. I have an old hat. Uh, that, that used to be in one of my motorcycle bags, and now it's in my garage somewhere. But in my, in my garage, I also have one of the old signs from our youth ministry uh, that would hang on the wall that said the Garage Student Ministries. And, and I remember when my brother developed a new name for his youth ministry, he decided to call it the Tribe. And, and I thought that was a great name for a youth ministry because who doesn't want to belong to the Tribe, right? We all have our tribe of people. And so I thought, man, that's a wonderful name. And uh, that, that was until he sent me the logo, because I'll never forget when he sent me this logo. Here's what he sent me. And if this looks familiar to you, it's because it is a variation of the Native American folk god, Cocopelli. I don't know if anybody in the room realizes that, but you've probably seen something similar to this before. Um, this humpback flute player is the god of fertility. 
My thoughts exactly, because that's what you want to say to a bunch of middle school and high school students that are trying to learn to control their hormones, right? Show up for our youth ministry. Here's the God of fertility. If parents knew it, they would never send their kids to that youth ministry, right? Coco Pelli is, is not the real problem here, though. I hardly believe that the redesign of an Indian folk god would mislead anyone, and, and that's not the problem. I had a lot of fun picking at my brother about that. The problem is that there are other gods that demand to, that demand to sit on the throne of the kingdoms that we live in. Every day, we're, we're faced with these, these little gods, lowercase g, little gods that are trying to set up their throne in the kingdom of our lives. And to help us understand this, I want us to turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Amen. Exodus chapter 20. I want to start reading at verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. If you're familiar with Exodus chapter 20, this is where God delivers the Ten Commandments to Moses up on Mount Sinai. And so we're going to read the first six verses of that experience out of Exodus chapter 20. I'll begin reading at verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's interesting to me that God just starts right there. He, he kind of prefaces the Ten Commandments with those words. He says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He said, I want you to be reminded of what I have done for you. I'm the one that brought you out of that bondage. I'm the one that gave you freedom. And it's important for you to understand that before I get to my list of rules. It's important for you to understand who I am in your life. I am your deliverer. I'm the one that broke the chains of bondage off of your life, and I need you to understand that. And that's the foundation that he lays before he gives us the Ten Commandments. And then verse 3, he says, You shall have no other gods before me. Lowercase g, gods. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a, cra or a, a carved image. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath, under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. It's so interesting to me what God says here. Because he says that the sins that we commit now, they have the ability to affect not only our children, but our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. That what you get wrong now, those strongholds can hold your family captive for generations. It's what we refer to as generational curses. 
And God gives us this warning that it is so important for you to understand who I am in your life because if you get this wrong, it will affect your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. Now, it's easy to read these verses and conclude that God is an egotistical maniac. I can assure you, church, that that God does not have a self-esteem problem. He's not hung up on himself. God doesn't have daddy issues because he is the father. And so you have to understand this is not God battling with his ego. What you have to understand is that the Israelites have just come out of an environment that promoted the worship of many gods. For 430 years, they lived in a polytheistic culture, the worship of many gods. In Egypt, there was a deity for each known force of nature, and most things had more than one god. And so there were sun gods. They would worship the sun. There were moon gods. There were crop gods. There were earth gods. There were storm gods and every type of storm. In Egypt, there were many gods, and man was creating gods for just about everything under the sun and the sun itself. But it wasn't just limited to, to, to nature and the things of nature. It, was, it also included things like there were sex gods, and there were fertility gods, and there were health gods. And there were certain types of God that affected gods that, uh, that uh, they would pray to because it would affect certain ailments in your body. The Egyptians created no less than, get this, 2,000 gods to worship. I don't even know if I could keep track of it. I couldn't live in that kingdom. But all you had to do was do a little research, and if something was going wrong in your life, then there was a God that they had created. It's kind of like there's an app for that. No, there's a God for that. They created a God for everything that you could possibly go through. And so they didn't have a worship problem. No, they were freely worshiping. They were worshiping over 2,000 gods. There was a problem with what they were worshiping. So in the first of the Ten Commandments, God was reprogramming their minds to leave behind this polytheistic mindset and realize that he was the only true and living God. It's important for you to note that when God said, you shall have no other gods before me, that the Hebrew word there for the word you, you shall have no other gods before me, the Hebrew word for you is singular. This matters. Because what this does right now is it really puts it in a personal context to us. God was giving the constitution for the Jewish nation as he was giving Moses the law. It's more than just the Ten Commandments. It was the law that he was pouring into him. And it was the constitution for their nation. But in this first commandment, God wasn't, he was not addressing the nation of Israel as a whole. This was God addressing each individual person, each Israelite, every Hebrew. He was He he was personally speaking to their lives. And they may have had gods for everything, but God was addressing the one real problem, and that was you. That was the problem. It's always the problem. It's always about you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. 
And when God starts the Ten Commandments, he doesn't speak to them as a whole. The word used is you, singular. You as an individual. Understand this. When we stand before God, church, we will stand before God just us. We don't get to take our moms and our dads with us. We don't get to live on the faith of our grandparents. Each person stands before God as an individual, and whether or not you have accepted Christ or not will will determine whether or not he comes and stands by your side as your advocate, as your defense attorney, and, and, and is able to vouch for you. And so we don't get to stand before God as a group. It's not going to be uh, next in line, Destiny Community Church. Everyone who went to Destiny, come now before the judgment seat of Christ. No, that doesn't happen. It's not the way it works. And God said, I want to address you personally. And that's always the problem because we all, everyone, including me, we all create these little gods that run and rule and reign our lives. And if we're not careful, they will sit upon the thrones of our hearts and we allow them to control our every move. So I just want to jump really quick into this and just get the easy ones out of the way, okay? Let me just tell you what I'm talking about. Career. Career. I usually deal with this during our month of Sabbath, but how many of us? We exalt our careers up to the throne of our lives. It takes priority over everything. It takes priority over our marriages. It takes priority over our children. It takes priority over our God. And so we've created a career as as a God. Some of us, and, and this is dangerous too, we elevate our spouses to the throne of our hearts. Now listen, there is a divine order of your home covered this a little bit last week, but, but it's important for you to understand. It is God, then your spouse, and there is a large distance between the two. It is God, spouse, children, and then everybody else falls under that. But at the moment you start looking to your spouse to keep your head above water, at the moment you start looking to your spouse as your savior, at the moment you start putting that kind of pressure on your spouse, you and your home is going to be extremely disappointed because I can tell you, your husband or your wife is not God. I thought I'd get more amens than that. How many of you know your husband, your wife is not God? Amen? You know, there's one woman in this room right now that she's got an amazing husband. He's faithful to her. He leads the home the right way. I mean, leads them in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's that's what he does. This this woman is blessed to have this man. He's a good-looking guy, too. But even Mandy, Mandy cannot exalt me to the throne, okay? Maybe you're not married, but there's that special someone or significant other that you've elevated to the throne of your life. Be careful. When you're willing to do whatever it takes to keep that person in your life, you've got the priorities wrong. Our children, when your children, when they rise to the top of our lives and they are the number one, the main concern, and and this is so tough for so many mothers. Moms, listen to me. Your children are a priority, but they're not the greatest priority. And when you learn to put God first, When you get that right for your home, then you are leading them for generations to come. I I really hit this hard last week. I'm just going to say it, and then I'm going to jump through it. But but sports, 
extracurricular activities. Don't elevate those things to the throne of your life. Even school. Listen, education is important, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want your children to excel, teach them that. Let the, 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 the knowledge of the Word of God become as important or even more important than their education. It drives me insane. I haven't said it in a while. I'm going to say it today. It drives me crazy when parents will, will punish their children by keeping them home from church on a Wednesday. Oh, I, the youth pastor in me from years ago is about to come out, and I'm not going to let that. I'm going to operate in wisdom, so don't be a moron, okay? Here we go. Friends of all ages. It doesn't matter where you're at. Friends of all ages. We can look at friendships in our lives, and if we're not careful, we will, we will elevate them up to the throne of our hearts, and, and we'll do whatever it takes to keep those friendships when God may be trying to separate us, to consecrate us, to pull us apart from some of those things. Materialism in our lives, trying to keep up with what everybody else has. We see things that we, we want, not necessarily what we need, but we want, and we're willing to go way in too far over debt for those things be careful with that when those things become the the king of your life the king of your heart when they when they take the throne of your life things are out of whack these are hand carved idols made by our own doing that control the kingdom of our hearts but let, let's talk about some of the ones that are not as easy to talk about and this is this is not an exhaustive uh, exhaustive list by any means but, but how about this, the d desire to control your life and everyone around you. Last week I had you pointing at people. Don't point right now, this is extremely personal. The desire to control everyone and everything. Listen, you know if that's you and if that's, if that's the king of your, of your heart, the king of your life, if that's what's on the throne, you've gotta get that in check. How, how about fear and anxiety? I've been there, I know what that feels like. And when you, when you let that take God's place on the throne of your life, it will control your life. Anger, anger. If anger is, is the king of your life, if you let it control you, it has conquered your life. And you've got to be careful. And so many other things that, that we, we label as personality, it's just who I am. It may be who you are, but you might need God to change you. Don't offer the excuse. That's how God created me. Listen, I was, I was born a sinner, but I didn't stay that way. You must let God do a change in your life because God wants to be elevated to the throne of your life. And if we're not careful, we will allow our feelings and our emotions to control the kingdom of our hearts. And our Heavenly Father commanded us not to let these gods come before Him. Church, we don't have a worship problem. I'm not talking about walking in here on a Sunday morning and, and raising your hands and lifting them and clapping your hands to, to praise God. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't have a worship problem. The problem is what are we worshiping? What have we elevated to the throne of our lives? And we bow down to the things that reign in our hearts and they will control every move of our life. They'll control our finances. They will control our schedules. They will control our dreams and our desires. You have to be careful with what you allow to sit on the throne of your heart. And I'm telling you, it's not hard to figure that out. It's not. 
It's wherever you spend your time, and it's wherever you spend your money. We're going to be talking about those things in the, in the weeks to come. God desires to be first in your life. There that word is again. Say first. first. He desires to be first in your life. So I want to go back to our text, and I want to read verse 5 from our text today. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I want you to pay attention to that word, jealous. Deuteronomy 4, verses 23 through 24 says, So be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make idols of any shape or form, for the Lord your God has forbidden this. The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. The prophet Nahum wrote in, in chapter 1 and verse 2, he said, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Get this. He is jealous and avenging. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. And when we read these verses, if we're not careful, church, we will misinterpret the character of God. Because we read things like jealous, wrath. And we wonder, where's the love in all of that? Because we know, we understand. I teach it all the time. Sometimes maybe we teach this too much that we don't understand the true character of God. But it is true. He is a just and loving and merciful and gracious God. It is true. He is forgiving. He is holy. We get that. So where does jealousy fit in with all of this? If he declares, I'm a jealous God, because in our finite human minds, when we read jealous, it immediately has a negative connotation to it. Because nobody ever looks at their child and says, when you grow up, I want you to learn to be jealous. No, we teach our kids not to be jealous. And I believe that the best way to understand the jealousy of God is to look at a marriage relationship because the relationship between us and God throughout the entire Bible is always about marriage. That, that, that is the picture that he gives us. That's the example, for the best way for us to understand our relationship with God Almighty is through the marriage relationship. And there is a difference, church, between sinful jealousy and righteous jealousy. Let's take a husband who responds with anger simply because he sees his wife talking to a man. Maybe, maybe they're at a birthday party and, and, and she just has a conversation with someone else. Not, not off alone. They're in a group of people. But, but he sees his wife talking to her and he is enraged with jealousy. Or a wife who is overcome with rage just because her husband has to go to work and he just happens to have a co-worker who is a beautiful woman. And it just, it just grips her. She cannot shake it. Both of these people have the ability to display unreasonable domination and self-centeredness in their lives and selfishness and insecurity control his or her possessiveness. This is sinful jealousy, church. That's not what God has for you. When he says, I am a jealous God, that is not what he's talking about. Now let's suppose that you saw someone trying to lure your wife's affections away from you or your husband's affections away from you this person this predator if you will they are showing your your, your spouse affection and they're trying to seduce them away from their marriage vows 
This is different because no man or woman in their right mind is going to put up with that. The love that you have for your spouse, you will step in. You will intervene. You will not allow them to be wooed by someone else. No, you would not want to share your wife with another man. You would not want to share your husband with another woman. This is righteous jealousy. And church, this is what God feels towards you. This is what he feels towards me. And we, we allow people or things or even our emotions to control our relationship with him. This becomes idolatry. We don't live in a society that has little monuments or little statues that we bow down to and we worship. But I will tell you this, we do live in a society that elevates these little gods that we create with our own hands and, and we elevate them to a place of worship. And church, we have to be careful with this because this is breaking the heart of God. Amen. Exodus 34 and 14 God says, you must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. His name is Jealous with a capital J. I looked it up. And this word that they use here for, for jealous, his name is Jealous, it means a burning passion. That's what God calls himself, he calls himself a burning passion for you. My name is jealous. My name is a burning passion for you. Of course it is. God is love and love is a burning passion and desire for something or someone. And like a justified husband that defends his wife against a tempting predator, God comes after his bride. How many of you today are thankful that God came after you? Amen? When I was dead in my sin, God came after me. When I was blind and I could not see, God came after me and he peeled the scales back from my eyes. Listen, when I was lost... My God came searching for me, and he found me. How many of you today are thankful that God found you? Amen? God is jealous for you, and it's a righteous jealousy. It's not something to be misunderstood. The wrath that he speaks of, it is for the enemies of our soul. But what he has for you is the love. It is a deep desire, a burning desire to be with you. I love the way it's said in Isaiah 42 and 8. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. In other words, woman, I am your husband. That's who I am. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carve idols or anything that you've made by your own hands. Church, he is either Lord of all or he is not at all. You don't get to decide to, to, to ride the middle ground here. You don't get to straddle the fence on this. He says, I'm either your God or I'm not. And he will not share his throne. And here's what I want you to understand about 2019. When we get this right, this will be the greatest year of blessing for our lives that we've ever seen. When we elevate God to his rightful throne, it is going to change the turnout of this year. Amen? This first commandment reminds us all 
That all of the other commandments flow out of the passion of the love that God has for us. He sets it up. The preface is, you need to understand what I've done for you and that I am jealous for you. And I will go to the extremes. I will even send my son, Jesus Christ, to die in your spot, in your place, on your cross. That's how much I love you. I will send him to die for you. I don't know about you, but I need a God that's that jealous for me. I need a God that is that passionate for me. When Mandy and I were dating, there was a time when we broke up. And to be honest, Mandy did the breaking up. She broke up with me. Isn't that crazy? Who would break up with this? But she did probably justified but but she did she broke up with me but it was during that breakup during that time that we were apart that I realized that I wanted this woman to be my wife for the rest of my life it was during that time of of separation that the heart did more than just grow fonder I realized during that time that I loved her and that I needed her in my life and I could not imagine going through life without her. And so she broke up with me, but man, did I pursue her. I pursued her more during that breakup than I probably ever have in our entire marriage together. I, I called her every day, numerous times a day. Now, now listen, for those younger ones in the room, we didn't have texting back then, which is part of your problem. We actually had to talk on the phone. We had to hear each other's voices. I know it's uncomfortable, I know it is, but, but I wanted her to hear my voice every day. I did not want a day to go by. I didn't want her to forget me. So I'd call her every day. I would call my wife's mother before she was my mother-in-law now I would call my, my, my wife's mother and, and, and I, would, I would let her know how much, you remember that don't you I would tell her how much I loved her daughter and how much of a mistake she was making at that moment in her life <laughs> I did Mandy went out on a date one night, now if you ask her Mandy's going to say it was not a date she's, she's going to say we were with a group of people I don't care it's a group date. But there was a guy that liked you, and, there was, and, there was, and you liked him. And so they went out on a date one night. They went to the movies. I've still never seen that movie that they've seen just because I refuse to watch it. It's the principle of it at this point, you know, right? They went to the movies, and then they went out to eat. I went and bought flowers, and I put them on her car. Then we had an argument later and I threw the flowers. But that's not important to the story. <laughs> I pursued that woman. I was jealous for her. I wanted her. I needed her. I did not want to go through life without her. And I remember my brother called me. You know, the one that, that promotes the fertility God. He called me. And he, uh, he was a youth pastor, and he said, I, I need a couple of chaperones for this trip that we're taking to Gatlinburg. 
He said, will you and Mandy be interested? I said, well, I'm interested. I don't know if Mandy will, but but I'll go. I suddenly talked to her. I went to Mandy and I said, listen, my my brother needs a couple of chaperones and we're going to be heading up to Gatlinburg for the weekend and I just want to know if if you want to go be a part of this. And Mandy, I think, reluctantly agreed to go. And there is something about Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the wintertime that is just romantic. Anybody agree with me? Yeah. There's just something about it. And it was there that Mandy will tell you that she fell back in love with me. It was in that moment that she realized that she too wanted to spend the rest of her life with me. That was in February. We were engaged in March and married by August. I went after that girl. I pursued her and suckered her into marrying me. (laughs) Isn't it good to know, church, that God pursues us with that much passion? I love the way that the prophet wrote it in Ezekiel when he said that the Lord says, I myself will search and I will find my sheep. I like how Jesus said it in Luke chapter 19. He says, for the Son of Man has not come Rather, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, that's that's why I came. I came to, to seek and save that which is lost. That's the story of my life. That's the story of your life. God is so passionate about you that he requires to be first in your life. And he is either first or he is last. There is no in between with God. And trust me, exalting him to the throne of your life and making sure that he is first, all of these other things are added to you. You won't miss out on a thing. We think we will. We think we're going to miss out on opportunities. We're going to miss out on relationships. Mm -mm. It's at that moment that you fall into the will of God and God begins at that moment to orchestrate the plans that he has for you to give you a hope and a future. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.